0: This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Two minutes past on this 24th day of August, 2022. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN, 800 3776 is your telephone numbers. We take it right up until 10 o'clock. You can get me on Twitter at Dan Grossa, G-R-A-C-A. Harvey Cruz and Tom Bauer. My pals, they're producing the program today. They are along for the ride as well as we have hit the midweek, although it feels like a shorter week. It feels like one of those there was a holiday at the beginning, but it wasn't a holiday. It was Jets, Falcons, preseason football on Monday, so we didn't have a show. So this is only our second show of the week, but yet we're already halfway there. So we got a lot of things to check off the box, as per usual here on this Wednesday evening. Subway series is in the books And that, of course, will be our jumping off point here this evening because, you know, it's tough when the games are going on exactly when the show is like was the case last night. And, you know, we try to, you know, bounce in and out of there as best as possible and keep you up to date and react to what is going on on the field. But I think it's fortunate that today you got the Mets and the Yankees who aren't playing. They both have the day off. Yanks are en route to Oakland to begin a 10-game West Coast swing with a series against the lowly Athletics and the Mets. Stay home and rest up today before they welcome in the Colorado Rockies for the first of four, which is, you know, going to be a big weekend out there at City Field. You got old timers day coming up on Saturday, which promises to draw a huge crowd. But I think both teams and both fan bases are probably feeling certainly a little bit different after what we saw the last couple of days in the Bronx. And, you know, when it's all said and done, what ended up happening? You had the Mets take two games at City Field. You had the Yankees take their two games in their respective ballparks, and we have a four-game split of the Subway Series 2022. And generally, that's usually the case, like more often than not. It seems like, you know, back when they were playing three-game series, it would be like one team takes two out of three in a ballpark, the other team takes two out of three at the other, and you have a split. And that's what we got here, just of the four-game variety. And, you know, certainly you could make the argument that both of these games – the last couple of days at Yankee Stadium, you know, they followed kind of a similar script. And not just because the score was 4-2 to in both of them, and the Yankees have grown accustomed to that being, you know, quite satisfying because they've won three straight games all by a 4-2 to final. And I think if you're Aaron Boone and company, you'll take whatever the heck final score it's going to be as long as you come out on top because the Yankees needed these three days. You know, fast forward or rewind back, I should say, to Saturday night, right? When the Yanks were scuffling... They were in danger of getting swept four games by the Toronto Blue Jays. You got Boone there on Saturday after yet another loss, trying to explain away yet another uninspiring performance. And he sits there and he slams the table. The microphone goes flying into the air. And then you're wondering, it's like, boy, what is wrong with this baseball team? You know, they had such a comfortable lead. They were running away with this thing, 15 and a half games at one point. And you're saying, oh, the rest of the season's going to be a laugher. I don't know if you want to call it complacency. Call it whatever the heck you want. And I don't think it's complacency. But the Yanks certainly have played a little uninspiring since the All-Star break and really the last couple of months. And that's why I said going into Monday's game of the Subway Series. I thought Monday was a much bigger game for the Yankees. Because they finally got off the mat a little bit on Sunday, got one against the Blue Jays, avoided the sweep, and you wanted to see them capitalize off of that. You wanted to see them build off of the one game. And they did that on Monday. So at least you got back-to-back victories. And then I said last night, going into the Tuesday game, I thought that one had more meaning for the New York Mets. Because the Atlanta Braves were just a few games back. Braves still had a favorable part of their schedule with the Pittsburgh Pirates and... They proved that to be true. And then he just wanted them to at least somehow salvage a split here in these two games, at the very least. Well, didn't happen. Yanks found a way to get it done, and Mets had their opportunities, and they're probably going to be kicking themselves, and they have been kicking themselves over the way that one played itself out there last night. And we'll talk about the Mets' side of things coming up a little bit later on here. But we'll start off with the Yankees. They won the games. They deserve top billing here over the last couple of days. But... The encouraging thing I think you got last night. There were several. You know, I don't want to make it just one thing. There were several. But some of the signs that you like is that you really had a lot of the similar guys playing the role of hero in game two as you had in game number one. You know, Judge had a couple of hits last night. You start with him. He hit another one out of the ballpark. That one I don't even think has landed yet that he hit over the left field fence. And now all of a sudden he's back on pace to maybe possibly eclipse Roger Maris's record and get to 62, and be the all-time Yankee home run leader, which I think is a big deal. You know, and, and you couldn't have planned it any better if you're Judge when you're talking about going into your walk here and trying to secure the bank in free agency from whoever that might be. So Judge is back. Judge was scuffling a little bit there, right? Now he's back, as you figured he would be. I mean, the guy's going to win the MVP going away. Andrew Benintendi. Isn't it amazing like a week ago, We were sitting here, and we were throwing stones at Brian Cashman's performance at the trade deadline. Whether it was Benintendi not hitting consistently. Frankie Montas looking uninspired in the three starts that he had previous to last night. You know, Lou Trevino not necessarily doing anything all that great. You know, Harrison Bader still got a walking boot on his foot. And Jordan Montgomery's pitching like Bob Gibson out there in St. Louis. Well, isn't it funny how these things change? Because you got Ben now with three straight multi hit games, coming up big, handful of RBIs in the last three, contributing to this winning streak. Those are encouraging signs. I mean, that's what you got this guy to do, right? You brought him in to be a productive hitter in this lineup, the same guy that was hitting over 300 for the lowly Kansas City Royals. That's why you went out there and you got him. And then Montas last night, you know what? It wasn't dominant. He wasn't in complete control of that game. But you know what I like about Frankie Montas last night? He battled. Frankie battled last night. He went out there and he minimized the damage. Let a couple of runners on in the first inning. Let a couple of runners on in the second inning. Got out of it. And this game easily could have gotten out of hand if the Mets would have cooperated. But they didn't. You know, for a guy that allowed 14 runs in 14 innings before last night... That was reminiscent of the guy that Brian Cashman went out there and acquired at the trade deadline. That is the pitcher that you thought you were getting that was going to slide in just behind Garrett Cole in that rotation to provide a little bit of of top-of-the-rotation stability. Now, you still need Severino to come back. Let's not kid ourselves. He has got to come back, and he's still got to pitch at a high level if this team wants to go deep into the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, starting with Garrett Cole. That is the X factor among X factors. He has got to be the ace, the stopper for this team. All right, that's great. Those are the starters. That's the rotation. What about the bullpen? What about that all of a sudden? How about Clark Schmidt last night with three scoreless? Peralta coming in and inducing the pop-up from Francisco Lindor, even though a couple of pitches earlier he whacked one down the line, which looked like it would have tied the game, but it went foul. Maybe one won it back too late, if you ask me. I probably would have went to Peralta a little bit sooner, but it still worked out in the end for Aaron Boone and the Yankees. No harm, no foul. And you notice though, who he didn't call upon to come in and close that game last night, Aroldis Chapman. Even though he needed a lefty, he went to Peralta instead of Chappie. And so all of this maybe renewed sense of faith that you had in Chapman, or at least the Yankees thought that they were going to have in Chapman, Because he had a couple of good appearances and some good outings. And you thought, all right, maybe this is someone we could trust again. A guy that we can throw into high leverage situations. I wasn't necessarily buying that tale. But you know what? I'm not running the team. So who cares what I think? But it just goes to show you exactly where he's at right now. That he ain't all the way back in terms of entrenching himself in that circle of trust. And it's been a bullpen by committee. It's been a closer by committee for the Yankees over the last three days. All victories, which you like, which you take. But whether it was Peralta, whether it was Luisega, Trevino, they got the job done. And it is amazing what a few days do. Just to change the overall outlook of a team, right? Now, look, you could have been somebody that maybe wasn't panicking at all. I was never looking at the Yankees as a team that I thought would maybe surrender their top spot in the American, American League East, never for a second. That lead was still too comfortable. And they aren't going to lose this division. But you still wanted them to play better baseball. So, I mean, your impressions of the last couple of days, is it a stretch to say that order has been restored to a certain degree? Right? When you think about where this team was, what they've done the last few games, and now this road trip that they're about to embark on, I mean, think about this. Four games against Oakland. They stink. Three games against the Angels. Also, they stink. And then you're going to go down to Tampa, which are big games because they're the team that's closest to you in the division. But the Yankees have played good baseball against Tampa Bay this year. This isn't a repeat of years past where Tampa just seemingly owns the Yankees. That hasn't been the case in 2022. So you got to probably feel pretty good about where this team is heading right now. And oh, by the way, Some guy named Giancarlo Stanton figures to be back in the lineup as early as tomorrow. That's another run producer and another threat, certainly, that you're going to have to account for if you're an opposing team. So at least for the next couple of weeks, you know, the remainder of August into September, you like where this team is at. I don't know necessarily if they're still going to be able to catch the Astros for home field advantage in the AAL playoffs because they're three back right now. But just want them playing good baseball. You know, the stretch that they were in the midst of, you don't want to be going into the playoffs playing like that. You know, this isn't the dynasty Yankees in the 90s where they had a couple of those years, you know, 2000 especially, where they were limping into the playoffs. And he didn't think that this would be their year. But you know what? They found a way when it mattered the most. Because that team, those teams were a bunch of champions. Not this team. This team don't know how to win team's never won anything collectively. You'll want to go into the playoffs with some sort of momentum. But they got to get healthier. They got to get healthier, and they still have to find a solution to the back end of that bullpen as far as I'm concerned. That has to be solved away because you're not going to be able to play eeny, meeny, miny, moe every single night to find somebody to get to the final three outs. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to work out long term, especially when you're playing good teams. Can't have it. So your take on the state of the Yankees after the Subway Series sweep. Love to hear it at 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get to the Mets side of things where obviously it's a little bit of a different feeling because they didn't get the job done last couple of days. And they're in a situation which is a lot more precarious in their own division because you got an Atlanta Braves team which is breathing down their necks, literally. Okay, the Braves won today 14-2. They're only a game and a half back in the National League East. You know, when does panic time set in if you are the Mets? Well, we'll get into all that stuff and kind of break it down how things are expected to look the rest of the way for the Mets, for Atlanta, and in that race for the National League East. And it's big. It is a big one. Because that is the difference. Think about that right now. One and a half games in the National League is the difference between getting a first round bye to where you don't have to play that wild card round, which also means you have to use probably your three best pitchers in that first round best of three series, which means you're not going to have them to begin and you're not going to have them as frequent in the second round if you do advance. You have to win this division. You have to get that first round by. We'll see if they have it in them. A lot of things on the docket on the show this evening. We'll talk some New York baseball with our good pal Anthony McCarron. He of SNY, longtime baseball columnist here in the city. We'll talk a little football as the Jets and Giants are set to do battle in East Rutherford tomorrow out at the Giant facility. Just a scrimmage. But you know that those could get spirited. Last time they had one of those, um Yeah. It it got a little out of hand, and that's why they haven't had one in over 15 years. So hopefully cooler heads will prevail, but that's never a guarantee, especially when you get to the end of training camp like this. These guys are ready to beat on someone other than their own teammates. Of course, ending with the game on Sunday afternoon in the preseason finale at 1 o'clock. Our coverage will begin at 11 a.m. with pregame with Greg Buttle and myself. And we also got to get into a little basketball, right? A little basketball. You know, we touched on it briefly last night. About these new rumors that are surfacing with the Knicks and the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell, and maybe just maybe what the Knicks might want to surrender in acquiring the All Star from Utah. lot of things up for discussion tonight. Show's going to go fast, it always does, but we'll make the most of it and some surprises along the way as well. It's Dan Grasso with you. It's the Dan Grasso Show. It is a Wednesday right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Anthony McCarron of SNY will join me coming up at 8 o'clock. Maybe a surprise or two also along the way. So, Yankees have steadied the ship, right, to a certain extent. But, you know, as I said, there's still a couple of loose ends, I think, that need tying up and need some fixing here. Most notably the back end of that bullpen. Because you know what, even when even when Clay Holmes comes back here, I, I I don't know what version of Clay Holmes we're gonna get. We're gonna get the guy who was lights out in the first half of the season or the guy who really has been terrible even before he went on the injured list. Which guy are you getting? So to me, that leaves a big hole at the back end of that bullpen. And I thought it was really interesting that Chapman got passed over last night. Not surprising. But more interesting, because now you kind of, again, get the sense that maybe the Yankees aren't necessarily enamored with him 100%. You know, a couple of weeks ago, when Mike Tannenbaum and I were filling in on the K-Show all week, and we talked to Aaron Boone in his weekly spot, I asked him about Chapman, because Chapman was building up some nice innings and some good appearances, you know, for the previous Couple of weeks, and I remember asking Aaron Boone, saying, You know, is Chapman somebody that's graduating into these higher leverage situations again for you? And he said, Oh, no, he's he's been there, he's he's yeah, we love him. So that was kind of like a profession of faith for the manager, saying, Oh, yeah, same old, same old when it comes to Chapman. And I'm like, Oh, okay, Uh, how is this gonna end? Well, it's gone in the other direction as you kind of expected it to because. This is who Chapman is now in his career. You know, he's not going to get any better. He is who he is. And he's prone to these lapses. And a guy that I don't think he can necessarily trust. So Boone was asked after last night's game, it was kind of obvious, hey, no Chapman. Can he be used in high leverage situations? I think he will be and can be. We got to still get him there though. You know, after a couple tough ones, you know, we'll see. We'll just on a given night, you know, we're going to have to. And and I do feel like there was a long stretch there where he was starting to pitch in in some of those spots, whether it be the sixth, seventh, eighth, whatever it's been, but we got to get him back to that point after you know a couple ones where he struggled. So that's kind of just trying to work on that confidence and get him in those situations. There's going to be games where we have no choice, you know, and just talking a lot be, even before the game. The the one thing about him is physically it's there. Physically, we're we've seen it now. In a long stretch, we got to just get that that next layer of confidence, especially when it gets a little wobbly there for a hitter or two, you know, to be able to you know still find it. I thought it would have been a great chance last night. Like, really? Perfect opportunity. Because of the risk reward factor, but I think for more of the reward. Because if Chapman would have slammed the door shut on that game last night when the Mets were rallying, and a night where really the Mets rallied all night long, but they just could not push across those runs when they needed them, couldn't get that meaningful hit. You know, if it was Chapman who got that last out last night, was able to get Lindor to end the game, I mean, all right. Now, he's feeling good about himself. The team probably has more confidence in him. Maybe the fans are off his back a little bit. But instead, he went Peralta. Now, there was no guarantee that that's how it would have ended. And Peralta found a way to get it done. But, I mean, you're not... Trusting Peralta in high-leverage situations? Are you? I, I, I'm i not necessarily, but sometimes that's all you got. This late in the season. How about Aaron Judge, though? He's been hitting the ball last couple of games, hitting it out of the ballpark. The pursuit is back on. So, what does it feel like being compared to the greatest Yankees ever?
1: Uh, you still don't believe it, you know? Pretty wild to think about, you know, especially the things that they accomplished over their career and, you know, what things they did for this game of baseball, the records they set, you know, but I I try not to look at it, you know, because we're still a long way away from, you know, even being in that class. So I just try to keep my head down, focus on what I can do here with the Yankees, and that's about it.
0: Judge is leading, okay? He's leading the American League in runs scored, home runs. No, excuse me. He's leading the major leagues in runs scored, home runs, RBIs, slugging, OPS, OPS Plus, and total bases. And he leads the American League in walks. I mean, can we put to rest all this other stuff about Otani and the MVP? Like, is, is that – have we gotten to the point yet? I mean, what more do you need to see? I don't care if Judge doesn't get another hit for the rest of the season. He's winning the MVP. He's the MVP. Of the Think about all that stuff that I just told you. You go on his baseball reference page, and it's just like a blotch of black ink for 2022. Bold black ink. You know what that means? That means you're the league leader in all those categories. I mean, it, it's to the point now with Judge where he should be unanimous. Like, I don't even want to hear about somebody like Otani getting a vote from the baseball writers at the end of the season he should be the runaway winner the unanimous mvp in the american league and all you got to worry about is what team is he going to sign with in the offseason whether it's the yankees or whether it's somebody else you worry about keeping them in pinstripes but the mvp should be completely put to rest at this point of the season lastly montas important start for him last night had to finally break through Had to give you a quality performance, and as we said, it wasn't a gem. He wasn't in complete control, but he battled. And you respect the way that he was able to minimize the damage, allow the bats to go to work and push across the couple of go-ahead runs there, and then the bullpen shut things down. But how does it feel if you're Frankie Montas to have that success after the first few rough starts with your new team?
1: Huge. I feel way better. You know, finally I was able to go out there and uh, compare, you know, throw uh, good pitches. And for me, it's just, just trying to keep him going and go out there and do my best.
0: Take it one at a time. You know, and I know that we sit here and we have fun and we like to, you know, constantly bring up the fact that Jordan Montgomery's out there just completely dealing with the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, you don't want to compare these two guys necessarily, different circumstances, because, look, I'm a realist. And I don't know how many Yankee fans would think this. I'll I'll, I'll ask you this question. If Jordan Montgomery was still a Yankee, would he be pitching the same way that he's pitched with the St. Louis Cardinals, yes or no? I highly doubt it. Highly, highly doubt it. Because you know what? Jordan Montgomery's been here for how long? How many years was he here? Have we ever seen a stretch from Jordan Montgomery like we've seen the the first four starts with his new team there in St. Louis? Right? Right? Yankees, it's not like they were trading away, you know, Steve Carlton. They knew what they were giving up. I think more than anything else, this is a blip. This is a nice little hot streak that he's on. But I could easily see a situation to where the St. Louis Cardinals, they get to the postseason, and they're going to be relying on somebody like Jordan Montgomery, but that's where the whole buyer beware thing, I think, comes into play. Because I don't trust Jordan Montgomery with my life in a big postseason start if it was my team. But now that's St. Louis' issue. And good for him that he's gotten off to a good start. But, you know, am I all the way convinced that this guy is going to be like the X factor, the difference maker from the trade deadline of any team around baseball? No, I do not. Jose in Newark is going to start us off here on the Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Jose, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Dan? How you doing? Good. What's going on? Hey, Lisa. So I want to see what you take on these. You know, the the Yankees win these these, uh, three games back-to-back after all that losing. Uh, so I'm sitting here thinking like, hey, you know, are, are they're back, you know, after all that losing. Um, I think I, I need to see a, a little more, um, uh, you know, uh, losing all those games. And finally, I mean, I think they had no choice but to get into some kind of uh, winning here. And then they they uh, they get it done. You know, they go on this West Coast trip uh, and see what else happens. But I'm wondering if uh, – do you need to see it a little more to kind of like uh, get back to those winning ways at the beginning of the season, Jose. You know what it is, and I thank you for the phone call. It's not necessarily so much about style points; it's just win the games, right? At this point, you don't care how; they just win the games. And you're right. The West Coast trip, I think, comes at a great time for them right now because the teams that they're going out there and playing, they're awful, right? Oakland might be the worst team in baseball. The Angels are such a mess. That they've got two of probably the top four players on the planet on their team, and they stink. So much so that now the owner can't even bear the burden of watching this god awful product that he puts out on the field each and every year, to where Artie Moreno is now exploring selling the franchise. Because he doesn't want to bear the responsibility of completely, completely wasting all of Mike Trout's career and his prime years. Yeah, I mean, think about this Mike Trout's been around for a decade. He's been the best player in baseball, MVP's up the wazoo. I know he's been banged up the last couple of years, but the guy's only been to the playoffs one time in his career. And it was a three-game sweep. Imagine that. Imagine having, like, the best player in the sport and not being able to do anything with it. I would sell the team, too. But am I worried about the Yankees? No, I'm not. Not at all. And I think that they will carry this little bit of momentum that they have with them to the West Coast. They better, because can you imagine what the alternative is? Now, if they go out there to the West Coast and they stub their toe against Oakland and they struggle against the Angels, then it's like, all right, now we're back to square one again. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll be fine. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. You know, so things are good in Yankee land, right? Things are okay. You can put your feet up. You know, you could go out and have a nice dinner tonight. You know, nice quiet evening. Go have some fun. Not even worry about baseball. All is right with the world. But on the other side, you got the Mets. They're treating this off day a little bit differently. Met fans probably freaking out a little bit after what they saw the last couple of days. Thinking that, uh-oh, is the tide going to turn? You got the Braves who are neck and neck virtually with them in that National League East. I'll try to bring some clarity. I'll try to bring a little bit of rational thought into the conversation with the New York Mets. Now, you could be panicked. You could worry all you want. But maybe it's not a worst-case scenario. We'll get into it next, plus your phone calls. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>
1: No, I don't think that's it you know, we scored four, four runs in two games, so you gotta tip your hat at their pitching. That's probably the story of the tonight and, and last night, but, you know, love the way our guys battled. We just couldn't catch a break with a lot of balls that some of our guys hit on the button, and uh, just a lot of want to. I know they're frustrated by it, but uh, they get a well-deserved off day after 10 tough games on the road in a very short period. Proud of the way they competed, and uh, we'll go home and try to get things going again.
0: That's Buck Walter, Mets skipper. And I don't know how many times I've said it or had to say this all season long, and that's not like I'm the only one, but I'm a big believer in it. Whenever we get into one of these, like, rocky moments for the Mets, you know, when they hit a little bit of adversity during the season, and you wonder, oh, is it going to go south? You know, are, are they going to go belly up? Is it going to be same old Mets, same old Mets? You always come back to that guy. And the steadying hand of the manager. Like him being the reason, the voice of reason, why you think that there is an adult piloting this ship right now. And that everything is going to stay on course and they're going to be okay. And Buck Showalter, if he wasn't the manager of this team, you know what, if this was you know, one of the last two guys who were in the dugout for the Mets, who lacked experience, I, you probably would freak out a little bit more. And it's not necessarily a referendum on the Mets, with how things have gone right now. Because let's face it, right? I know that Sunday was like a great confidence booster and the fact that, you know, they had that wild comeback. They erased three separate deficits against the Phillies. But that was a fluky game, right? Nine times out of ten, you're going to lose that game. The Mets deserve to probably lose that game. <laughs> you know, like, when they were forced to start the kid Buto, and the Phillies put up four in the first inning, you thought that this game was going to be like, you know, 14-2, to Or something. So it's almost miraculous that they won that game. But it also exposed some red flags for the Philadelphia Phillies, which we've talked about all season long, too, with their bullpen, which has now kind of reared its ugly head, their poor defensive play, and on and on and on and on. So imagine if they didn't come back and win that crazy one Wednesday. Then they would have now been riding a three-game losing streak into the off day. And it's not so much that I'm worried about the Mets themselves and the Mets level. It's more about tipping your cap and paying some respect to the Atlanta Braves, because that's what I think you have to be concerned with if you're the Mets. Right? They beat the Pirates today 14-2. to They're only a game and a half behind them. They've won 14 out of 16. And since June the 1st, the Braves on June the 1st were 23-27. and they were in Arizona. They had a team meeting, kind of just like, hey, guys, you know, what's going on? We're the world champs. World Series is over with. That was last year. Let's start playing baseball. Well, you know what? Since then, they're 55-21, and 21, and that is by far the best record in baseball since the beginning of June. So what you got to ask yourself is, are the Braves going to have any sort of letup? Not the Mets. It's more about, okay, is their level going to drop in any way? Not are the Mets going to raise their level. Mets are fine. You know, what more can you ask from this team right now? But they came in on a high, but the Braves are the issue. The Braves are the issue right now. And, look, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or, you know, baseball genius to explain how last night went or why it went the way that it did. You know, when you go 2 for 13 with runners in scoring position, you leave 10 guys on base, you're not taking advantage of your opportunities, you're going to get a game like you got last night. You know, Alonzo's running down into the outfield, misplays a pop-up that drops in between three guys. I mean, that's Little League stuff. It happens once every so often, but those are plays that major leaguers should make. You know, poor base running, you had Brett Beatty getting thrown out at the plate, hell of a job, by the way, by the kid Cabrera in right field. And, you know, he's giving this Yankee team a little bit of a breath of fresh air. But the Yankees also should have probably threw Pete Alonso out at the plate when he was stumbling around third base and got caught up if Torres made the throw home instead of trying to go back to second base. and cha- I mean, I don't know what the hell they were doing there. They lost their mind. You know, also, I said it even on the show last night when it happened. I thought Beatty had a up there, not tagging up in uh, whatever inning that was late in the game and-, and tagging up from going to second and third on that Nimmo fly ball that Judge caught on the warning track. You know, little things like that. And if you're not executing to the extent that you're used to executing, that's why you lose. Right? That's why you lose. Taiwan Walker got out of the game healthy. Great. You like to see that because that was a concern. You didn't know how he would fare with the back spasms. But that's important. So here's what you have for the Mets. 37 games left. 28 of the 37 games are against bottom feeders. Colorado, Washington, Oakland, Miami, Pittsburgh, Chicago, the Cubs, I mean. All right, so that leaves you with nine games against teams with winning records, and it's the Dodgers, who you have at home, Milwaukee, who you have at their place, but Milwaukee is scuffling in the worst way. This is a completely different baseball team from before and after the trade deadline. And then he got a trip to Atlanta the first week of October for three games. So that is it. And I know that you don't win games on paper and you don't decide pennant races on paper, but you have to like the way the Mets' schedule shakes out, do you not? Given all those things we said about you have a confident guy as the skipper, an experienced manager, a guy who's not going to be overwhelmed, allow the team to keep an even level, Nine games out of the 37 that are left are really the only ones that would maybe cause a little bit of concern. Braves, on the other hand, a little bit trickier. They got 36 games left, and they've got 19 of the 36 against teams that we would like to call contenders. Three with the Mets at the end of the year, three against San Francisco on the road, three in Seattle on the road, three in St. Louis, And they still have seven games against the Philadelphia Phillies, a Phillies team, which is dangerous and is about to get Bryce Harper back into the lineup, who hit two home runs last night, by the way, in a rehab appearance in the minor leagues. So on paper, it's Edge Mets. And you hope that starting tomorrow with the Grom on the mound, that you go out there and you take care of business against the Colorado Rockies team that you have in for four days. Colorado is awful. Absolutely atrocious. One of the worst road – the Colorado is, as a matter of fact. Let me just confirm. Yep, they are the worst road team in Major League Baseball. They're 18-39 and 39 on the road. They're in last place. The Mets should go out there minimum, minimum take three out of four against the Rocks and maybe even sweep them. Vincent Nestoria up next. Wants to talk a little Mets here on 98.7 ESPN. Vince, how are you?
1: I'm great, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. Great show today. And you, I agree, 110% of everything you said about the Mets, when I called up uh, the screen asked me what I want to talk about, everything you said, uh, except I opened up the narrative with, uh, I am not, Concerned about the Braves. Not to belittle the Braves; they're a the world champ, and they, like you said, are playing the best baseball. But just like you just went through that schedule, and and then the Brewers—I don't count them as a winning team. Like you said, they're a different team. So you can take what was it, 27 games against uh, subpar teams, and add three more. It's not unfeasible that we go 24 and six in that stretch. You know, assuming everyone's healthy, and and the Braves—you know—they can't sustain uh, whatever. What are they playing? 750 balls since. June 1st, they can't sustain that clip. So, you know, and then you give me the round, uh, you, you you give me the division, and I line up my rotation in that second round against any team. I don't care who, it won't be the Dodgers. It, it, it'll it be either the Braves, the Padres, the Phillies, Collins. I don't care who it is, including the Braves. You give me, I will go Scherzer first, then DeGrom, because you can squeeze Scherzer out. Although, actually, that second round is only five games, right? So then, no, yeah. go, go with the Grom first. DeGrom goes one. Because, listen, Listen, we we took four out of five at home against the Braves. We okay. The last time we went down to Atlanta, yes, we lost three out of four. But let's be honest here: the first two games, both our stars get hurt. Now, granted, they blew us out, uh, but you know that second game, yeah, five to one, okay. Uh, but you know, if we don't lose that starter, who knows how that goes out? And of course, the last game, okay, uh, Degrom hung a couple of pitches and they beat us fair and square. But you know, even though they won three out of four, it wasn't like, uh, you know, complete disaster. We had two starters go out early. So uh, I'm not... Again, I'm not belittling the Braves. The Braves are a great team, and obviously they're the defending champions. I'm just saying the Mets' schedule—they're going to go on a roll now. And granted, you you have to assume everyone stays healthy, right? No one no one doesn't an right. bleak, and you know no injuries to the Grom or Scherzer, or you know even uh, in the back end. Okay, uh, you know we got a Peterson. We'll you know we'll get. But my biggest issue with the Mets, and it's a lot of teams, but the biggest issue is, uh, and my biggest regret is not getting Robinson at the trade deadline. I think the Phillies only gave up a the. Seven Seventh prospect, if I'm not mistaken. So to me, I was a little disappointed that they did not match or beat that and get a Robinson. So if they don't make it to the World Series, It'll be because that seventh, eighth inning bridge will falter. and I you know, we, we will we will not be having a five man rotation. So the odd man out, whether it be a walker or carrasco, I probably think it's gonna be a walker. Um, you know, he can help there. We also are getting McGill back, I don't know about he'll that. Come back in a bullpen. Vincent, I don't know about no. that.
0: I, I I don't know you about don't that. If so? you if you're asking me right now, and I thank you for the phone call, Vince, I appreciate it. If you're asking me to choose four, if you're going into the postseason with a four man rotation for the Mets the top three are obvious. Walker's my fourth guy. I have more trust in him than I do Carrasco. I, 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 it's just not to say that Carrasco's some scrub; he's not. But I just have a little bit more belief in Taiwan Walker in these situations. And I only say that because, and I don't want to dump on the guy, but when they acquired Carlos Carrasco last year, you know, I know some people out there in Cleveland. That, that cover the team on a, a pretty regular basis, that, you know, been around the team. And one of the things they told me about Carrasco is that, you know, he starts out these games really, really well at times, but where he gets himself into trouble is that he's his own worst enemy in the fact that he loses faith in his own stuff sometimes, especially once he gets second time, third time through the order, if he's lucky enough to get to the third time through the order, is that sometimes even if it's working well for him, he'll abandon that, because he feels like, oh, this can't continue. I don't want a guy like that on the mound in October. Even if that gene is somewhere lingering in there, I don't want that in the biggest situations possible. Walker, you don't got to worry about that. Walker's a bulldog. He's going to go out there and pitch, you know? You have that faith in him. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. I'll tell you about this, too. Vincent also brought up, if you're asking me right now, biggest concern about the Mets rest of the way, Thousand percent, it's the bridge to Edwin Diaz. You love the rotation, you love the back end with the Diaz, but what about that middle relief and setup job? Who's doing that? I don't know if you have a concrete answer. Because it seems like you lose faith in a different guy each and every night. We'll talk more baseball with Anthony McCarron coming up in about ten minutes. More calls when we return. Dan Grassa, ninety-eight ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. <laughs> By the way. A um, lot of you have reached out either to, you know, the station, myself directly on social media and whatnot, inquiring about the podcast. You know, you can't listen to the show live from 7 to 10. How do I listen to the show? How do I go back and get it? You know, if I am want to listen to it the following morning when I'm going into work or whatever. Yes, absolutely. So we have inquired. And, you know, whenever something like this launches, I mean, this is a this is a major production. This is a big-time endeavor, which we're doing here with this show. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that all go into making this production run smoothly. Well, smooth as possible, at least. Um, So what we're planning on, and, and tentatively the hope is, is that once we get to next week, so by Monday, if everything goes according to plan, you should be able to have this show available on all the platforms, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, The ESPN New York app will have our own little thumbnail page, show page. It will get up there. Everything will be neatly organized so where you can find it without having to search for it. And, of course, on the website there, uh, ESPNNewYork.com. So Monday, fingers crossed, everything should be normal. Everything should be A-OK when it comes to being able to have access to the show. Let's say hi to Mike in Manhattan. He's next here on 98.7 ESPN. Michael, how are you?
1: Hey, Dan, I'm a frustrated Mets fan. In fact, I think they just didn't do another double play as a, as we speak. And the reason for that, I love Buck, but I haven't seen him do one hit and run the whole year. I mean, they, Marte is, is guaranteed hitting at least one double play each time. That's my one criticism. Another thing, I think it's time to reconfigure the lineup, because just of the way the Yankees did, like I told my Yankee fans, they finally came to the sense and put Ben Attendee in a table-setting spot. It's an RBI spot. I don't like their lineup. I think I think it should be Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil, because your best hitter, he's he's wasted batting six. He's, he's a doubles machine. Bat him third, bat Alonzo fourth, and then you could that Marte number six.
0: I think Marte's too valuable to be hitting that low, Mike. And I thank you for the phone call. I Look, I agree with you about McNeil. And I think the logic behind it more than anything else is that I think Buck wants to lengthen the lineup as much as possible. Because when you have a guy like McNeil down there, you can't obviously just completely ignore the bottom part of the batting order. And now the fact that, you know, you've been able to be kind of spoiled over the last few days because Canna was swinging a hot bat. And they had been hitting him seventh. So if you have McNeil and Canna hitting back-to-back down there, and then Vogel back between McNeil and Alonzo, you know that Vogel could get a hold of one, even though he's not running well at all right now. I I I mean, at all. The double play he hit into last night, you could tell that he's compromised. And it's not just because he's a big, hefty guy. He wasn't even running like we're used to seeing him run. So, look, is it perfect? No. But I think that what he's trying to do is to give this to make this lineup as difficult to pitch through one through nine for an opposing pitcher. And that's how the Mets go about doing it. See, the Mets' approach offensively is different than the Yankees. Yankees go about trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And that's really how they're reliant when it comes to their offense. Mets, you can't say the same thing. I mean, I know Alonso hits a lot of home runs, but other than that, like, you really don't look at another guy on this team and say, oh, yeah. They're, they're waiting for him to just deliver that home run production. That's not the case. It's tough to really sit here and find fault with what the Mets have done this season. Really and truly. But it's far from over. And they have themselves a fight on their hands the rest of the season because the Atlanta Braves are not going anywhere. And I'll tell you, the latest guy is, I mean, all the Braves do is keep having these young guys come through their system. The latest guy who's proven to be a pain in the neck is Vaughn Grissom. I'm already getting sick of that guy. He's going to be somebody that will probably, you know, kill the Mets for the next five, six, seven years.